Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, where we're taking a look back at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is my neurotic friend from New York, Palmer. How are you today? I'm good, I think. Am I good? I'm good, right? I don't know. I'm, I'm like thinking you should be good, <laughs> but you know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not good. I don't know. I, know. I don't know. No, no. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, welcome to Academy Rewind. We're taking a look back at the year 1978. Yes. This time around, and the... Best Picture nominees for this year are The Turning Point, The Goodbye Girl, Julia, The Julia, Star Wars, and Annie Hall. Wonderful, wonderful selection of films that we have here this evening, morning, or afternoon. What do you think won Best Picture? I. Ooh, um, the Turning Point? You know, excellent guess. It was Annie Hall. I was close. Yeah. It's a very similar movie. Yes, uh, a movie about aging ballerinas and their feud over one of their daughters and a movie about Woody Allen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So close. Yep. So so very close. Um, all right, so we're going to talk about them in this order. The Turning Point, The Goodbye Girl, Julia, Star Wars, and Annie Hall. Prefacing now, for those of you who are listening to this just for Star Wars, we are going to talk about Star Wars. We are only going to talk about A New Hope. However, um, we are not going to go super... We're, gonna, we're not going to go any more in-depth into this than we would for any other film, uh, in fairness to all the other films. Um, but if you head over to patreon.com slash audio, there is a Patreon-only Star Wars episode where Palmer and I... We'll talk about Star Wars at nauseum <laughs> because we both have things to say. It, it might not even be finished by now. Like we, it's probably on part five hundred. Yep, <laughs> quite possibly. We go scene by scene. You see, actually, there is a podcast that goes like it's like a twelve seconds at a time or something like that, and they go through each film twelve seconds at a time and break it apart. Star Wars films are just films in general. Um, I think it's just Star Wars films. Though I know there are other podcasts that do other films mm. like that. God. I can't remember what it's called. Thank, thank, thank God we didn't have that idea. Yep, there you go. <laughs> I know. If, if we should, the best picture nominees of every year, 12 <laughs> seconds at a time. We'd still be on the first episode. We really would be. That'd be awful. Let's talk about The Turning Point first. Directed by Herbert Ross, written by Arthur Lawrence, starring Anne Bancroft and Shirley MacLaine. This is a film about two uh two aging ballerina rivals well one aging ballerina sure one who has already given it up right. in in pro having a family that's shirley mclean and her daughter is now a ballerina and it's all about their feud and this was certainly a film that i watched okay so before we before we get into this okay r- real talk okay wait what do you think we've been doing well Real, real talk. Okay, look, <laughs> I want to, I want to ask a question. Okay, of the movie industry. Okay, how I, I will sub in for the movie industry. Just give me a second. Yeah. Hey, and, hey, hey! How's it going? I'm the movie industry. <laughs> what can, what can I help you with? How in God's name 
did you guys escape the seventies? Um, I I don't know. Uh, I I put a lot of nuts inside a tree for winter, you know, to save them, and I think that's what held us over. <laughs> does that does that make sense? Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, like, you know, it's you know your the question is is valid because this is the second time we've we've run it with the 70s yeah. right because we've already done one episode in the 70s and they're not getting any better no in <laughs> fact i think they're getting worse yeah <laughs> um i i i am 100% with you and you know for what there are some films in there are some films in the 70s that are very good not i'm not talking this year i'm like thinking right. about like 70s horror films or whatever are generally lauded as like wow 70s horror you know Se- 70s horror is lauded that way because of because of how the strides it makes forward for horror movies but going back and watching them now like I hate Texas Chainsaw Massacre sure 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 but that, we're gonna we're gonna really dive deep down that rabbit hole if we keep going so back to so, turning point okay can wait can I remind you what the movies from 1979 were going backwards yes Midnight Express. Okay. Coming home. Yeah. Heaven can wait. I was so an unmarried woman and the deer hunter. I liked unmarried woman. I don't remember which one that was. To be totally honest, that was the one. That was like the character study one. Uh, oh, uh, Jane Fonda. No, it was a. It was no. A, that uh, was coming home. Yeah, it was a no name woman. But even like coming home wasn't terrible. No, I liked coming home. That was okay. Jill Claiborne, yeah, was an American. That was I my pick. About, that was my pick that, that year. Movie. I liked it. You didn't. I picked, you didn't like it nearly as much as I did. I picked the Deer Hunter. That year. yeah, doesn't uh, matter. Let's talk about Turning Point. Yes. Um, if you want to know our thoughts on seventy nine, that <laughs> we have a whole episode about yeah, it. Yeah, we do. Um, so I thought, I thought the acting was was good, and I think it was probably the the only thing in the film that I really latched onto. Okay, because the, the whole time I was. Watching it, I was like, I was thinking the Red Shoes is a better movie. Okay, um, it's funny that you brought that up, and I think it would be very difficult for us to be far, as far along as we are now and not compare this to the Red Shoes, right? Um, so it's funny that you said you latched on to the acting because mm-hmm. I didn't. Oh, interesting. The best part of this movie for me, um, and I think it's even better than the Red Shoes. Is the dancing? Oh, you thought the dancing was better in this movie? Like this movie, this movie was seemed to be made just for those dance sequences, and they needed to build a movie around it, which ultimately doesn't work. I would agree with that. I don't think the movie. I don't think the movie really works. But I'm very captivated by the dancing in this. Like I like the dancing to me is much better than the red shoes. Interesting. I thought maybe the the dancers themselves were better. Yeah, but I thought the red shoes shot it better. Mm, I don't. I'm I'm willing to see your argument on that. I just don't agree. Okay. Um, because like it felt like. So we're at the period of time. <laughs> we're at the period of time that MTV isn't out yet, but it's about to be. Okay. So we're getting into like this music video era. Yep. Okay. And like that's what these dance pieces feel like a music video for ballet. Mm. So you really th- so the movie is really just to showcase ballet. Yeah. It's interesting that we got two movies this year about dancers. Yes. The Goodbye Girl was the other one. 
Oh yeah, that's she was. Right. She's a dancer. Yeah. Wow. What did you think? I like. I was really. I'm like. You were like. I don't yes, remember dancing. Princess being like... Leia does have a dance number in the, A New Hope. And how strange was that? I know. It was. Uh, to be fair, it was one of the better parts of the special edition. <laughs> Look, CG Princess Leia just dancing around inside the canteen in the background. Like, why are you there? <laughs> it doesn't make any um, story sense. So. Uh, I mean, and I'm gonna I'm gonna harp on this at least once more mm-hmm. uh, in this episode. Harp away. The biggest problem with this movie, and in some '70s movies in general, '70s was very all about Eve writing oh. characters. Yeah, how dare they write characters? You're right. But it was... How dare they? We need to write these really good characters. Mm. Okay, that's a good idea. But there's no story substance exactly. behind them. Like, I, uh, depends. It, it depends on some of the movies that we're talking about this year, but generally speaking, yeah. I agree with you. These, at least the this 78, 79, these nominees, were, it, were, were, were deep into character study. Right. And the plot and very is thin plot. the plot is very inconsequential to yeah. that. As long as the characters have something to react to. Right. Um this movie received no wins. Uh yes, and if I remember correctly it was it was nominated like eleven times or yeah. something. And, and got one snubbed of the, on all of yeah, them. Yeah, it's one of the top movies for nominations without a win. Yeah. Um and I forgot what the I think it's tied with something. And I can't remember what one, but I'm pretty sure I also agree with. I don't think this movie should have won anything. Like, no, unless there was an award for best dance sequence. Which could have been. We've seen it before. Oliver won for best choreography. Oh, yeah. See, if that was still around, yep. then this wins for best choreography. Sure, I'll give you that. I mean, the um, other, Because the, it wasn't even like the the the, uh, the dancers' outfits were anything to write home about. No, they weren't. They, they were, were just. Yeah. But, but there's. It was also was it this movie or was it Goodbye Girl where they were talking about that the choreography is the star, not it was this movie, right? Yeah, um, Turning Point. The choreography is the star, not the star themselves. Which is true for this movie. Which is absolutely true. So it's a little meta that way, and so yeah. you can see that, and then the and then the the Academy at the time going, ooh, yeah. meta. Um, and even then, first then as the plot is, I will say and. I will say again, like, this is one of those movies that, like, the end, the very end, kind of, kind of actually becomes a little interesting. Mm. Like, her daughter deciding that she wants a career in dance instead of the relationship, which is the opposite of what she did. She sure. decided to have a family. A family, yep. You know, and I was, I was so looking forward to this movie when I found out Tom Skerritt was in it. He's not really in it He's that not much. Really in it, no. no, no. But a good old Tom Skerritt. Yeah, I'm going to move on from this movie. Yeah, no, go ahead. Um, let's talk about the Goodbye Girl, direct, okay. directed by Herbert Ross. If you remember his name, he just directed the last movie, The Turning Point. <laughs> just <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, I know the guy who did Turning Point also got nominated for another movie this year. Yeah, he got nominated for the Goodbye Girl. So he can Herbert only do Ross. movies with with dancers. With dancers, uh, written by Neil Simon. Starring Richard Dreyfuss and Marsha Mason. Yep. And this is a movie about a single mother mm-hmm. who is who has dated a slew of men and uh, who all seem to fall out of love with her in some way or another and leave her the goodbye girl. 
Um, but she's still trying to raise her young, very intelligent daughter in the middle of New York City. And this last guy um, basically writes a note saying, I'm out. And peace. Peace. And this apartment that you're in, which is mine, is no longer yours. And I've rented it out to somebody else. Bye. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that somebody else is um, Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus, up and coming actor Richard Dreyfus, who agrees to let Marsha Mason and her daughter continue to live in the apartment um, out of his good graces, even though it's his apartment and right. they come to this understanding and it's a bit of a love story. It's a little odd couple-y. Um, hmm. I, I really, odd. Yeah, odd couple. That's Neil Simon. Yes, yeah. indeed. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, okay. I don't, I didn't love the ending to this movie. Um, really? Yeah, so... A spoiler for the end of the movie. So like everyone he, dies. Everyone dies. He as as in all Neil Simon shows. <laughs> um, he he gets a gig. He gets a gig in a movie, and and he takes off for four weeks. And she's like, "You're gonna leave me again." And then, but like, which is a valid concern. Absolutely a valid concern. But I like how it all wraps around. You know what I mean? Like, right. I I I like how it all wraps around, and he left the guitar, and like all this, all this stuff. I think it's really well written, and it's well played out. Mm-hmm. It just kind of feels like um, it feels like a weird ending. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Like I don't think that the ending should have been sad yeah. or anything like that. It's just like, oh, come with me for four weeks, ditch the kid, and we're off. It wasn't ditch the kid. It was have your mom. Watched the kid for four weeks. I know, but it was all very rushed. What if Which she grandparent was, what if would the, do that? What if the grandparent was busy? Grandparents are never busy. That's not true. <laughs> Maybe not true. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a grandparent that I know about. <laughs> um, that would be weird. Um, not only do you not have a kid that you don't know about, but now you now you'd have a grandchild you don't know about. Exactly. Yeah. It's double. 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 I feel like that was a plot for Trouble. a movie. Probably. I think you're right. Yeah. I don't know what it is, though. Well, I'm not going to spend time thinking about it. Yeah, um, I think Richard Dreyfus is completely on point in this film, and without somebody of Richard Dreyfus's like, screen charisma, mm-hmm. I don't think it works as well. Um, Because he can be unlikable and so she and so can she right like the like the way they like are uncompromising compromising with each yeah. other like there there is a like there could it could very easily fall in a different direction yeah um the acting on every level worked for me in this okay. like there there the face you made when i said that well, suggested to me that you did not agree with that i mean it's difficult when you really like the acting in a movie to be like I can't see anybody else in this movie. And you're right. Right now, I can't think of anybody else. Although I do know they've made a an updated version of this. I'm sure there are other people who... I'm sure... No, no, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sure there are other people who could play this part. I'm not saying right. Richard Dreyfuss is the be-all and end-all. But I'm saying that, like... Uh, but I'm saying that well, in this group of actors yeah. in the like in these it's films It's the fact that, that you picked out Richard Dreyfuss. Like, yeah. I liked him in this movie. Mm-hmm. But I feel the... I feel the chemistry they both have together is what sells this movie. Okay. And it's not just necessarily because of him. Well, I pick up Richard Dreyfus because he won best actor. Okay. Um, which is why and because I, he was in Jaws. Also because he was in Jaws, one of my favorite films of all time. But um but this movie this movie only won one award and it was for Dreyfus. That's weird. Um 
Look, I'll get to a weirder one later. Yeah. Okay, because there will be one. So, I, like I said, I really love the acting in this movie, and everyone works well together. Mm-hmm. You and I work well together. Me and the cat work well together. Yeah, me and the cat work well together. You, it's a big, good triangle of right. working together. Um, and I think if you replace one piece, mm-hmm. you you don't get as you don't get as good of a movie. Well, it's like so. It, I don't well, think I, it's just hinging on Dreyfus. Uh, sure, I agree with you, and that's 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 a good blanket statement for a lot of Neil Simon stuff. Yeah, because if because it, Neil Simon's uh, Neil Simon's plays or films or whatever really Are all the odd couple apparently. right. Well, they really well they really hinge on the dynamic and the chemistry between its leads Mm -hmm. like anything else you know like we could say that about anything but um but they they are always the way he writes them they are the driving force so if one is weaker than the other it does not work right and the one thing i really liked about this is this is so character heavy extremely but it but it still has it has a story it has a good story it has a it has a good enough story that it just doesn't feel like it was kind of thrown in there. Yes, I you know, agree. Everyone kind of has their own side thing that they're doing. Yep. Um, yep. She's going back to the ballet after after the her um, boyfriend Two year who was hiatus, also married yeah. um, left leaves her. Yep. Um, he is playing Richard the Third. Being directed by the next door neighbor from the Jefferson. I know, and it was great. I couldn't <laughs> place him at first. Yep. And I was like, why do I know you? Why yeah. are you so familiar to me? And then for whatever reason, when he was talking to his mom, and he was like, and he was, and he, before you know it was his mom, and he was like, tell me, did you like it? Did you like it? And I, was <laughs> I like, love that part. Yeah, oh my God, you're the guy from the Jeffersons. My yeah. mother liked it. Yeah. Like, he was doing the entire show for her. You should preface to that, that that director wants wants Dreyfus to play, play the a part gay as Richard a gay Richard III, and he comes out in, like, 70s, almost cross-dressing Richard III with his, like, gold, like, lifts and, like, you know, the way he, he like, clumps oh, around the, the stage. Actual... In the actual... Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, I mean, in the I was going to say, like, during, like, during the, um, during the rehearsal, like, he comes out as, like, the most preppy person like in like in Richard Dreyfus's mind in mm-hmm. his character's mind in the 70s a gay person is just a preppy person yep because he came in with like the sweater tied around his neck well so no no no. so when he took this job he didn't know the director wanted him to play it as gay right that's part he, of, that's he part wanted of to do it like Olivier right because the confrontation is that like no Richard's not gay because he definitely wants to get into like so-and-so's um Catherine's is it Catherine I can't remember it's been a while since I've seen Richard the Third. Um, he definitely wants to get into her pantalones, mm-hmm. um, so it doesn't like it didn't make sense for him. Even though it it kind of reminded me of the producers, yeah, like that because because you basically watch a good chunk of the show with them, yeah, f- like muffing about, you know, like be doing a weird a really weird version of Richard the Third, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was strange, but but I really I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed this movie a lot. This was a really good it's movie. It's definitely a play, you know. E- yes, I mean you can yeah. tell it's a play. Yeah, um, but that doesn't that doesn't take away from the movie. No, not at not at all. I mean, one of my favorite movies from the before is The Lion in Winter, which is also definitely yeah. a play, which is also about Richard the Third. No, it's not. It's about Richard the Lionheart. Was so, not Richard the Third. So the fourth. 
I'm going to stop talking to you now. What number, know. Richard, was he? I'm going to have to move on. Okay. okay. I, you know how you are with history. I'm not getting into this with you right now. Let's talk about a movie about history, Julia. <laughs> Do we have to? Yes. Directed okay. by Fred Zinnemann, uh, written by Alvin Sargent and Lillian Helm, uh, based on the a story by Lillian Hellman, starring Jane Fonda and Vanessa Gray, Redgrave, and possibly Mia Farrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so before, if anybody before preface, if anybody wants to watch this film, don't, don't. go. Do not go to <laughs> iTunes to watch it because there was another movie that came out in 1977 uh, called Julia. Depending on what country you're in. Um, about uh, starring Mia Farrow about uh, this young wife whose child dies in front of her and her husband and she like freaks out and leaves and goes to live in England and then is haunted by those dead children and I got about 20 minutes into the wrong movie before I was like where is Jane Fonda coming (laughs) this movie is much different than I anticipated because iTunes combined the two films together. Right. The cast list and the director and the name of the movie are all Jane Fonda's yeah. and all that stuff. But the description of the film and the movie itself, the synopsis is um, yeah. Mia Farrow's film. So out of the two, which one would you recommend? Mia Farrow's film. Yeah. Actually, I was, I was, I was, I was really into, <laughs> I was, I was really into it because that first five minutes of that movie yep. is super harrowing because the way it's like shot I'm going to talk about the wrong movie for a second um, <laughs> it's shot in this way it's like she, the girl comes down for breakfast and then she's talking to mom and dad comes down and he doesn't really have time for his reading the newspaper you know as like dads mm-hmm. do in movies and whatever else and she's just eating her toast and she starts to choke and then you see her parents slowly start to realize, but the way that it's framed, they're out of shot. You cannot see their heads. You only see their torsos and you only see her. So it's almost like you're, you're almost like the kids sitting across the table, you know, like mom and dad are these huge, bigger, larger than life figures. And you just see her choking. And this is before the Heimlich maneuver came out, came out (laughs) like, the was Heimlich it, Maneuver what? was invented the very next day. Uh, it was actually created in the 60s, but it didn't become popular for a while later. And so, like, you see the parents, like, like bang on the back of her, like, back. But, like, that is actually, that makes it worse. And so this girl dies right in front of her parents. Um, and you watch the whole thing happen. And it is, it is, it's actually horrifying. Yeah. And it, it sets a really, really good tone and then, and that's when I realized I was watching the wrong movie. Yeah. And I was like, oh, son of a... Not only did I waste $3 renting this movie, but um, now I want to know what happened. Now I want to know what happens. And, and then you're like, well, you know, this other Julia movie must be just as good. Yep, that's right. Boy, were you wrong. And boy, was uh, boy did I watch a movie uh, about two childhood friends, uh, Jane Fonda and Vanessa Redgrave. Some would say childhood sweethearts. Some would say that indeed. Some would say also not very good friends at all. It's very yeah. it's very one sided friendship, if you ask <sighs> me. Um, it's basically about Jane Fonda, who is a writer, wants to be a writer kind of thing, and she reminisces about her childhood um, and and then partial adulthood and whatever else with her friend Vanessa Redgrave, who in their adulthood becomes like an activist against Nazism as, as that starts to progress in 
Germany, yeah. particularly Berlin. And then so there's like some it's like espionage, some bit of espionage stuff and like all the stuff. Like I think the concept of, the concept of this film yeah. is very interesting to me. It takes way too long to get to the stuff that was interesting. Yes. And then the movie was over. The espionage stuff was, is really good. It's really well it's 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 but it's 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 it's, it's almost like John Lecar kind of like espionage. Like yeah. it's it's like put this hat on at this time person disappears you know what i mean it's not like jason bourne espionage it is real world espionage and for a woman who has nothing to do with any of it and she's just going to see her friend right um all of that was so interesting to me and it like it was like a 15 minute no maybe like a half an hour 40 minute sequence out of a two-hour movie right but it's the last 40 minutes of the film so you have to watch an hour and a half thereabouts of something that's of so very little interest. Yeah, it's about it's about 40 minutes. And the problem is the first hour and 20 is a slog that by the time you hit that part, you, it even takes you like another 20 minutes just to get into the espionage stuff. And then the movie's kind of over at that point. Yeah. So it's only about a half hour left. So the problem is all, everything going up to it just kind of checks you out of the movie. Um yeah, pretty much. I think this movie I think this movie gets nominated on well, before I before I looked up what won and stuff like mm-hmm. that, I think it gets nominated on like it's one it's World War 2ism, you know. You know, it's World yep. War 2. So the Academy loves it. The the friendship um aspect and the globe hopping. Like this movie is yeah everywhere across the globe and it's shot in those locations and so like there's a lot of it there's some of it it's, it's very pretty mm-hmm. and because you're all over the world you're like wow look at all these places and jane fonda's just doing her thing across the world and what a wonderful thing is happening and but it really wasn't I never thought it you're supposed you're supposed to really believe that these like these two women were super close in their in their youth and then like they still are even though they don't see each other but i never really felt that at all even when they're sitting in the same room together right by the end of the film and it's vanessa redgrave and jane fonda and i was like i don't even feel like a cat there's a like any kind of chemistry between you yeah or like like a genuine french people who haven't seen each other in a long time also what happened to the daughter I, i honestly don't know like because during that meeting, she's like, "Look, I have a daughter, and I want you to take. I want you to raise her." Oh, sure. And she's I like, think... "All right." And then she goes to the train without the daughter. Um, I <laughs> think. Well, that's when she she goes around and tries to like she goes to the doctor. No, no, no. That's after. she goes right, but she goes to the corner. But that's what she's trying to find that right. girl. I assume somebody else in their group like took her, but uh, like to raise her. I'm not yeah. sure. I honestly didn't care. Yeah, no, I. It, this this movie took me three days to watch. Did it really take it that long? It did. I watched um, I watched about forty five minutes of it initially, mm. and I had to go do something or I had to go to work. Um, so I was gonna watch it. I was gonna watch the rest that night, and then I got home and I watched like a half hour of it, and I was like, oh, this is just putting me to sleep. Yeah. And then this morning, I actually watched the last. 30 minutes of it. Oh, wow. Um, I watched this and The Turning Point in the same night. 
How the hell did you stay awake? Um, magic. Like I like the dancing and the turning point. Yep. But even then, I think the title's clever. The turning point. It's about ballet because you oh, have to be yeah. on your toe to turn. Uh, a turn is a is a particular move. Right. Right. But you have to be on your toe to do it. Oh, uh, the, the point. point of your toe. Oh, yes. And it had nothing to do with the fact that one dancer had to choose to whether or not have a family or become a dancer. No, it just it definitely didn't have a double <laughs> meaning or anything. It was great. Uh, so this this movie won best adapted screenplay. Yep, I'm going to continue. <laughs> Vanessa Red Vanessa Redgrave won best supporting actress. Okay, and Jason Robards won best supporting actor. Okay, so um, real talk too. Yep. <laughs> uh, I don't know exactly when the Academy stopped taking bribes, but I'm glad they did. Yeah. Um, Jason Robards, you remember him from his, you know, his famous scenes from this movie, Julia. Um, you know, <laughs> the the first ten minutes, the middle ten minutes, and the final like three minutes. Yeah. Right. You know. The that the 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 like performance that up, the performance that really lingered on your memory. Yeah, you know that that performance. She wakes up screaming in the middle of the night. Go back to bed. Yeah, yeah. This this man beat out Alec Guinness as best supporting actor in in Star Wars. Say what are you, you say. Are you really? Are you really just dislike it because it beat out Star Wars? No, you should look at the other people who <laughs> went best supporting actor. I'm like, Alec Guinness is actually like. Actually, I don't know who else is nominated. I'd have to, I'd have to look it yeah. up again. But like, but my point. So even if you're just looking at these two, yeah, just think about like either cultural impact or the like, you know what I mean? Or or, or a character that was in the movie for more than five, or minutes. a character that was in the movie for more than not always the worst thing because Judy Dench won for Shakespeare in Love and she was only in the movie for eight minutes. Yeah, but. But she was also more memorable than Jason Robards was yeah. in this movie. What was Jason Robards' name in this movie? Jason Robards. You just told me. Yeah, correct. Yeah, he, he used his real name. <laughs> you nailed it. Absolutely. In this work that was best adapted. I'm moving on. Okay. Because I don't want to talk about this movie anymore. <laughs> We're only half an hour into the show, by the way. We've already done. The 70s are our shortest. Oh, they're the shortest episodes. Yep. Except when we talk about stuff. Star Wars. We're gonna okay. talk about Star Wars. We're gonna so talk about Star Wars. Stop here. Go to Patreon. Listen to all this stuff. <laughs> we, can, we can talk. We can. We can actually talk about Star Wars right now. Directed and written by George Lucas. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna list all the people who are in Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> Starring Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Alec Guinness, James Earl Jones, Peter Cushing, Anthony Daniels, Kenny Baker, Peter Mayhew, and David Prowse. Yes. Did I miss anybody? Um. The person who played, uh, I'll get back to it later. Great. Good job. Um, music, of course, by John Williams. Um, let's talk. So Juan you- Martha. There we go. She's not in this film. Obvi- what? You watched this movie, right? It all runs together at yeah. some point. Yeah. See, actually, I want. that's funny that you say that because Mon Martha is only in, in this trilogy, she's only in Jedi. Okay. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about, I want to talk about. Star Wars, A New Hope, but not as part of the Star Wars universe. I need to, we need to talk about it as as it was in 1978, as they or 77, as they as they put this as just Star Wars, not Star Wars colon A New Hope or Star Wars colon A New Hope episode four or whatever. It was just Star Wars. Well, and, and it was titled Star Wars. 
Right, but, but that all, whole episode four, New Hope, is in the crawl. But I'm talking. But I'm talking. Like I like I'm saying, we need to talk about this film just in in basis of does it is it worthy of of being in this category? Not we could talk about its cultural significance at like later, but we can't. Yeah. But we can't talk about the other films. I am going to go out on a limb and say, out of the now ten movies I've seen out of the seventies, yeah. Does it deserve to be nominated for Best Picture? Yes, because apparently nothing else was made in the seventies. Okay, so okay, this year. is this is a, this is great because, like, um, people people love Star Wars. Uh, you know, obviously, yeah, you know. You um, I said people, not you and me. I'm just saying you do. Yeah, I do. I love Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but um, and I didn't always love Star Wars. I actually I had to warm up to Star Wars when I was a kid. Okay. Um, but um. So we, you could talk about cultural significance or whatever, but just watching because I almost didn't watch this it, because I've seen it so many times. Right, like this is one of those we could like. Even our producer was like, "You guys are seriously going to rewatch it?" Yeah, I was, like, well, was yeah. like, I've seen it like like Tracy Jordan. I've seen Star Wars five hundred times. You yeah. know, like I've seen it. I've seen it so many times that I can't count. However, in conjunction of like watching with all these other films. Yeah, ha- I have to see how it just compares. Like right. very visual and. It it we haven't talked about Annie Hall yet, but like these other three films, like it doesn't even compare on like a on like a movie making scope. I'm not talking about story or anything. Just putting a camera in front of a location and watching people move around at mm-hmm. anything. It's 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 literally in a galaxy far far away. It is it is so different than these other four films. Okay. I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad right, right, thing. Right. It's just so different. It definitely stands out. It it it's like the first watching the first five minutes of this film is unlike anything else in these five categories. Mm-hmm. So, like you said at the beginning of the episode, um, seventies were all about like character driven over story over story, and that in 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 some ways is also true for. A, for a new hope it's not it, it it's it is narrative it's narrative driven to a, a point but I'll, i want to talk about uh um later i want to talk about um um how the narrative is constructed mm-hmm. which is different than just like characters move from a to b and what the tension is and stuff like that it's different but if you're if you're looking at like production if you're looking at like just pr- sheer production value comparison to the turning point or the goodbye girl or mm-hmm. whatever, though even Annie Hall, here are these regular people in these apartments or these homes, and that's basically it. That's or a train or a train or you know at least at least Julia had globe hopping, yeah. right? You know she was in a bunch of different she was cities, just hopping on globes. She, yeah, it was a very strange scene. Yeah, seventies were a weird time, man. Yeah, um, but this is but the sheer like it's it's almost like it's not exactly like the '90s because there were other big films in the '90s when we talk or this past this past year, but like it's like watching Titanic in comparison to right. the rest of them. Like it's just so much larger than anything else that's happening. Yeah. Um. And so when you talk about like wins for Star Wars before we even go into other stuff, um, it's it won a special achievement award for sound. 
by Ben for Ben Burt. Um, it won, um, it won production design. It won costumes. It won editing, visual effects, music. Um, but it lost uh, supporting actor, director, and original screenplay, and best picture. And best picture, yeah, obviously. Um, it's weird because, like, I know we're gonna do a separate episode, so I don't want to rehash stuff. Um, so, do 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 do. Um, I, I didn't, re- I didn't remember that it actually won a special award, and I missed the days of the Academy doing special, special awards. awards. I know Andy Circus would have won won a long time ago. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. like you have like. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Mm-hmm. Special award. Special award. Was it the best picture that year? No, definitely not. No, but special award. But it deserved recognition. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that's what I think the special award does here. Um, well, the special award I, isn't for the film. It's for sound. Right. But that's what this like this movie sound. Sure, but uh, no. So you're telling me you could close your eyes or blindfold and the whole movie of Star Wars sound is not visual at all? I would be able to visualize it because of the sounds. Okay, well, that that's a big compliment in sound. Right. But, that's, but, but they're not like standing on cardboard boxes, you know what I mean? And the sound is amazing and the rest of Actually, it is. Actually, I believe Peter Cushing is. Uh, I, He's a very short person. I don't think he was ever standing on a cardboard box. <laughs> Carrie Fisher is just really short <laughs> that scene actually where it's him and, and vader's right behind her she right. is so tiny yeah she like is. it's unbelievable that was just, that's what gave her that's what gave her like confidence problems and she started doing the coke yeah right exactly and that's the last joke you're gonna make about that okay <laughs> <laughs> um so in comparison to the other films because yep. we're gonna do a special patreon episode on star wars so just talking very generally in comparison to the other films, yeah. as we're going, you can't just say it's just special award because let's say Oliver won for choreography, like it got a special award for choreography, but that's not the only thing in that movie. It it also won Best Picture. Mm-hmm. So, you, so if you're talking, we're watching this to see if the movies hold up. Yeah, right. Is the Best Picture still the Best Picture? And regardless how you feel about Star Wars or not, whether you care or you don't care, you hate. You hate it or you you love it. You hate that it's at Disney or you love that it's at Disney. All that stuff is, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. Star Wars is one of the biggest films of all time. That is, that's by sheer number statistics, undeniable. It has permeated the culture so deeply mm-hmm. that you don't have to see it to know it or to know lines from it and not even know that those lines came from star Wars or that some tropes that you see in other things like trash compact or the walls closing in or something like that comes from star Wars mm-hmm. because it's so, it's so important to the, to the culture of the world. Uh, yeah, all right. So there's no arguing that it, that it's permeated the culture and that it's survived. Um, Star Trek has survived. Right. Star Wars has survived. You know, there, there's stuff. Starlight Express has survived. Yes. No, no, um, no. Basically, anything star related. Um, Stars. But the thing is, can I say? Can I say in honesty, it holds up well? I don't think I can. Okay. Um, 
And if for no other reason, then I would have to say as much as someone's really going to, as much as I'm probably going to get flack for saying this, if it holds up well, the director doesn't feel the need to go back and add stuff in. Um, Okay. I don't, I see what you're saying. This I think is not relevant. That's not relevant to (laughs) this conversation, to this conversation. Um, but to to put a pin in that for a second, yeah, I understand what you're. I understand what you're saying, but George Lucas isn't just like adding a scene when he made Star Wars. Even the first time, he was very clear that technology it was is incomplete. Not, right. It was incomplete, and so hate that or love that, he he said it when the movie came so, out. So the question becomes: Now the the difficult thing is the only way you can really watch this. Unless you have a Laserdisc player or a VHS tape, um, is with the special edition. Right. Um, so the fact is, does the movie feel incomplete prior to the special edition? No, because I, I, I had. To, I mean, like I had to watch the special edition because right, right. you know. But but I have. But I remember what. But I. I'm a big enough Star Wars fan that I know exactly, exactly. what was added every no, single I know. time. Um, so going back and, and rewatching this, I didn't think it was at the time, but going back and rewatching it, I've I've since I've since decided the effects do look dated. Well, yeah, sure. And so do Titanic effects from the '90s. <sighs> See only like two scenes though. Yeah, mm, no, I disagree. We've talked. I mean, we talked about this in the in right, the show we before. That. Right. I'm not um, saying that not everything. Like, of course, it doesn't look like it was made in 2017. Yeah. But neither do films. Neither do the films where they're just standing yeah. talking in an apartment either. It doesn't look. You know what I mean? Like, so say what you want about those special yeah. effects, but so just just judging this based on the merits of the movie, um. The story I like. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the music I love. I love yep. John Williams' score in this. It is one of the most recognizable scores. Actually, it's interesting because in comparison to the other four films, yeah, it really is the only score. Yeah, like there really isn't. There really isn't anything apart from the turning point, which because they're dancing to music. Right. But but even even George Lucas hiring John Williams is so countercultural to mm-hmm. the time, like. It was just so not important to to films to have music or big music or any particular way in yeah. those films. So it just feels different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, the acting. I mean, for for what this movie is, it gets Peter Cushing. It gets Alec Guinness. Mm-hmm. Um, James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. And I mean that's that's pretty much the the big names in it. Like Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford wasn't a big name. At the well, time. neither was James Earl Jones. So really, when you say just, I think he James really Earl, he was not. He wasn't at no. the time. All right, so um, you have Alec Guinness and Peter Cushing. Right. You have the, those are your quote unquote big names. Right. And now I know what you're trying to because I know what you're trying to roll around. The acting is probably the weakest part of this film. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Not. Looking at you, Mark Hamill. Not dissimilar to, not dissimilar to. I'll say Titanic because we we said that and things are going to be you my comparison. That. I said that, but 
not dissimilar to Titanic in a way that that's not the focus of the film, where some of it is kind of, some of the dialogue is stilted, mm-hmm. doesn't flow naturally, um, stuff like it, they are very similar in that in that way. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, if you notice, that film didn't win. You know, nobody won for acting in that film. They should have, but they didn't. But they didn't. Again, like I said, Alec Guinness should have won for this role. It's very it's a it's well played, it's subtle, and it's it's memorable in a way that other guy from you know, Julia, whose name I've already <laughs> forgot whose name I've already forgot Jason Robards, um, like isn't. You know what I mean? Like it's yep. just I'm talking so like again, so yeah, sure the effects might not hold up or whatever, but the importance of the film holds up. You know, you watch the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston those effects don't hold up either, but it's on TV every year. Well, and, there's only and and people you watch need to it. Play religious themed movie on Easter, right? And there are there are tons of religious themed movies, tons and tons and tons of them, but not nearly as good. Yeah, I'm not a huge Ten Commandments. Really, person. it takes way too long for things to happen in that movie. Wow, it takes an hour and a half for him just to leave Egypt. To not even come back to Egypt the, the like the next time, <laughs> like it is an absurdly long movie. It is, it is um, epic in scope. So, but again, but Star Wars sits in that it sits in that epic scope vein of movie picture making, right? It sits in the vein of the Ten Commandments, Titanic, uh, Lord of the Rings, Ben Hur. These are huge movies. And and they are what the Academy traditionally like going back like a decade or so or like like what they're after right the seventies rebels against this type of no film. because it's a genre movie well again it's almost like it's almost the fact that it got nominated yeah is like is huge because it is a genre movie yeah um, like Lord of the Rings was nominated huge that it's a genre movie. Dark Knight in 2008 was not nominated, most likely because it's a genre movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's pretty well known. Um, as far as the epicness and the scope of Star Wars, I, I have to say that if you take this movie by itself, mm-hmm. I can't agree. I feel like I feel like it has it has scale. It has it has some scale to it, mm-hmm. but as far as epic, that only happens with the expansion of the so, of the sequel. So you're telling me that a movie that starts with a battle in space goes to a planet where there's another battle, goes into space where there's a dogfight, goes to a giant space station that's as big as a moon where there's more fighting, where an enti- where you watch a planet blow up, where they then go to fight that space station in tiny little jets that could with a space that could easily destroy them when another planet is going to be blown up. This movie has no sense of epicness at all. Yeah. Yeah, I what are you on? Uh, ambient, but that's besides yeah. the point. <laughs> and when I was a kid, I always used to think Ambien and Amblin, the film company, were the same thing. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or Steve, not. Steven Spielberg was handing out pills. It pills. Yeah. Um, I just feel like the. I just feel like its grandeur comes from its sequels. I 
I understand that, and I think it's hard to separate. But the way that, but the way that George Lucas made it, the script is he. They say things. This is what I was really paying attention to, which I tend to, which I usually don't. Mm-hmm. Is the way that things are said offhandedly to make it feel like a real world like when luke sells the speeder in tatooine he's like oh this is all we got ever since the t whatever x model came out like nobody's interested in buying these that's a that's a stupid throwaway line Mm -hmm. that doesn't matter but it tells you something about the culture of what's happening in luke's life right now what is important to him and like those are the things or like when Obi Wan's sneaking around the Death Star, there are two st- there are two stormtroopers going like, oh, "Did you check out that new model of the so and so?" Like those are real conversations inside what f- would feel like a real world, um, and that's so th- it's not just about like the giant space fights; it's the world building that he doesn't stop to explain to you, and that's it's the world building because he he has sequels in mind. So yeah, but he that needs doesn't, to build but, those worlds. But that doesn't yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't mean that it doesn't have an important lasting impact yeah. on people at the time. Your your opinion, as we know, or at least I know right now, is different than the mass moviegoers of the seventies. Right? Uh I would assume so. Yeah. But otherwise this but, movie isn't as big. But I've seen the movies that these 70s people went to go see, and apparently they had no choice in the matter. Right. Well, and that's not, and that's not always true. Like some of these movies, some, some big movies came out in the 70s that we're, not, that we're not covering that do have some sense of scale and scope. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like Jaws came out in 75. You know, like we're not, talk- we're, we, we're not talking about that. A movie that essentially created the summer blockbuster. Yeah. Um, Alien came out. In seventy nine, you know, like yeah, you know, not... even even two thousand one, a space odyssey, which came out in the sixties, like has this huge sense of yeah. yeah, has this huge sense of like scale and epicness. But we can't, we're not talking about it because, because it, wasn't it wasn't nominated. nominated. Star Wars was nominated, and like, and so you have to, you have to give it its due on that, but then also on. It just from even from 77 when it came out to the empire strikes back even in just that limited time the um, the cultural impact of star wars in that time not counting the cultural impact of star wars from from now like from then to the present day just even in that short amount of time is ginormous bigger than any movie that we've talked about so far any movie regardless of your opinion on the matter it's bigger than all of them. No, no, but it is Titanic. No, it's not. It's really not. Dollar wise, would, would are, are, so you're going to so you're going to the so you're you're going to go to the you know the Disney theme park of Titanic where they sink you every night. Oh, you know? I would be there in a second. I, you know, and a lot of people would. I'd also be there. What a, what a terrifyingly fun ride and horribly I, and horribly disrespectful ride that would be. I completely forgotten my argument yeah, at this point. Right. So, but like, but my point is that doesn't exist, but Star Wars Land does. You know, uh, Star Wars Land does not exist yet. You understand my point, though. You understand my point. You're just refu- You're just refusing to acknowledge it, which is why you're being silent on this matter. I'm. I'm. Well, also, I'm, you're waiting for the Patreon episode. Yeah. Okay, which, which is just going to be me talking at this point. Yeah. So no, I 
I've barely scratched the surface. <laughs> I have prepared. I've prepared scrolls of arguments <laughs> because I know <laughs> on you. On actual scrolls. On actual scrolls, I took the time. We're going to put a pin in Star Wars for now. If you want yep. us, if you want us to talk about Star Wars more. Um, you can head over to patreon.com slash thoughtbubble audio and uh, and look for the episode and look for the episode there. Let's talk about Annie Hall, directed by Woody Allen, uh, written by Woody Allen and Marshall Brockman and or Brickman and starring Woody Allen and Diane Keaton. Uh, this is a movie not about Annie Hall, but about Woody Allen. Yeah. Um, and his weird neurosis, f- neurosis through yeah. his through his adult life. Um, I think this movie starts really strong. I really like him talking to the camera right away. Um, okay. And I, as soon as this film started, and he's talking to the camera, I was like, "Okay, I see why. I, I see why you won. I, I get why the Academy went. Ooh, I don't. He's talking. No, he's talking to us. How fresh and exciting! And this is why we love it. And I didn't love this film. I thought. No. I thought he's. Inc- I thought he was. He and Annie. Are incredibly unlikable people. Yeah, and I do not root for them in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, apart and I like some Woody Allen films. There's nothing to do with Woody Allen. Midnight in Paris is one of my favorite films. Yeah, I love, 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 love that movie. I actually really like uh, Curse of the Jade Scorpion. You are probably the only person in the world that loves that movie. It's got Dan Aykroyd. That doesn't mean anything. No, but I mean, aside from that, it's also got, you know. Oh, I forgot who. Oh, it's also got um, Cogsworth. It has David Ogden Steers. Yeah. Now I he plays. Watch he it. plays the. Uh, ah, watch it because yeah. he plays Cogsworth. <laughs> <laughs> um, he it, plays the hypnotist. Um, um, so the problem with this movie that I have is, like I said previously, this is a movie that is just characters with no sort of. Actual story. It's like vign- it's like vignettes of their relationship, yeah. but it's it's not really told in sequential order. Um, and by not really, I mean it's not told in sequential <laughs> order. Um, and so you're basically follow you're following his kind of like descent into an even more matter state than he is mm-hmm. in the beginning of the film, and you're watching Annie's kind of you're watching. Annie's climb at the same time, yeah. But but I don't think that like it's very evident to at least to me while watching the film that they do not belong together, right? Um, this movie this movie sold on their chemistry, sure. And I and I think they have chemistry, but like the seventies, like I've seen a lot in the seventies. Where this movie is all designed around the dialogue, sure. I don't find the dialogue particularly good. Um, I think some of it is. I think some of it is good. It's not. I don't think. Even though this is something Woody Allen won. I mean, he won Best Picture. Diane Keaton but, won Best Actress, Best Director, I, Best Original Screenplay. Right. I don't think this is his best work. But I think it's getting those awards because at this time it was so fresh. Exactly. Like at this time, this style of writing, this style of dialogue mm-hmm. is the new, is the hot new thing. Yes. And it's brought in by, um, 
Uh, the d- Armando Sante. No, the director, uh, Robert Altman. Thank you, okay. actually. You actually got me. Oh, the A helped the me. A. Um, I was going to say, the director of Gosford Park, the director of oh, MASH. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Um, like, he had the very... He had well, we the get very... to watch Gosford Park in a Ooh, couple... Nice. Yeah. Uh, he had the very, like, original thing of, like, his the way he had dialogue, the overlapping dialogue. Yes. Um, which I dislike... Right, more than anything else in this world. But you understand the fresh hot take, right? Like, yeah. So like that's like that's the kind of thing. Like the seventies is all about the dialogue, mm-hmm. and is the dialogue real? Like, is this not a movie anymore? Like, this is real dialogue. Well, yeah. of How people actually talk. Yeah. Is it and gritty? Is it any- taxi driver? Yeah. Is it taxi driver? It's got to be taxi driver. Yeah. That's. Do we get to watch Taxi Driver? Jackal. 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 It says Jackal. <laughs> Wasn't right the first time. God, why would it be right uh, the next I hundred times? We do watch Taxi Driver, um, which is weird because I've, I've seen Taxi Driver. I've seen but Taxi Drivers, <laughs> and I've seen taxis um, not so, driving themselves. So overall, this isn't this isn't my favorite Woody Allen film. It's not even close to. It's not mine either. And like I said, I like Woody Allen. Sometimes the films are hit or miss for yeah. me, though. It just depends on what the content is, and this one's a miss. Although it's funny, like my favorite Woody Allen film is is not one that he. I don't, I'm pretty sure. I think he might have directed, but I don't think he writes it. It's called "Don't Drink the Water." Mm. Um, great, great movie. If no one has seen it, go out and f- somehow find it. But it's uh, Woody uh, Woody Allen. Uh, Michael J. Fox, uh, Blossom, or Amy from the Big Bang Theory, because I know I'm not my Alan Bakum Bialik. Sure, Mayim Bialik. I think her name is. Um, oh God, what's his name? The 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 funny bearded fat guy her, from her the, name. Like, Did I say 80s? his name? Her name doesn't matter. Her what name. the bearded funny fat guy? Uh, the oh God. Dom DeLuise? Yes. Thank you. See, we're, we're friends. <laughs> we may not agree about I, Star Wars, but we're friends. My next part was like his two sons were in um, uh, 21 Jump Street and the Wizards of Waverly Place. Wow. I thought you were going to go with, um, I thought you were going to go with Men in Tights. Let me just take these cotton the balls part, out of yeah, my mouth. Right. Um, okay, now I can talk But it's to them. You. They're all like <laughs> trapped in a U.S. embassy. Okay. Uh, it's a great, hilarious movie. Watch it. Definitely watch it. So you say watch that instead of watching. Watch that instead of a lot of movies. Pretty much any movie from the seventies, actually. Okay. Again, not all. Just movies that were nominated. <laughs> um, this movie has an extraordinarily stacked cast before they were famous. <laughs> yep. Like I kept. I was just watching, and I was like, "What is? What is happening? Yeah. All these people. Let me. Let me go through. Jeff Goldblum. Yep. Has one line. Mm-hmm. He's on the telephone. Sigourney Is it Life Finds a Way? No, I wish it was, though. (laughs) Um, Sigourney Weaver is seen from a distance as his his date because she's like two feet taller than him. Uh, But you never see her face because they're so far away. It's a long shot. John Glover, uh, who is a wonderful character actor, who was also in Julia. He was. um, Which he was great in. Um, he's also good in this. It's a smaller part. Um, yeah, John Glover and, played Lionel Luther on Smallville, sister. if anybody's a Smallville fan yep. out there. Um, uh, Carol Kane, yep. who is a hilarious, hilarious actress. People might know her now. She plays Oswald, or she played Oswald Cobblepot's mother on Gotham. Look. And she was- People and, just know her from Princess Bride. 
and she was yes um and she is in the unbreakable kimmy schmidt on netflix yeah. and she was in princess bride and and let's not forget princess your favorite and my favorite <laughs> shelly duvall ah oh, the real villain of the shining yeah you know yeah i do not <laughs> like shelly duvall I, I just don't. I do not I do not like her. Is she Robert Duvall's child or I'm not sister? sure. I have no idea. I f- I just feel like that's a last name that's not common enough mm. for not good, to have it's something. A, it's a good qu- it's a it's a good it's a good query. Um, I don't know, Probably but I I love The Shining, and I'm always sad. And every time I'm, you watch I'm it, so you're sad. Like, I don't the, see what the problem. I'm is I'm always Jack. sad at the end. Yeah, yeah, because they like poor Jack. Yeah, poor Jack. Something's up with Jack. Something's, Something's up, up with Jack. Jack. I want a matchup of The Shining and The Nightmare Before Christmas in the worst way. Look, I'm already... just trying to bring them Christmas. It's snowing outside. <laughs> I've already come up with enough things that I want to see happen that I've already farmed out to other people for projects. Yes, most of them are me. I just yes. don't have the time. I have a job, you know. I don't care. I have multiple jobs. I want the Thought Bubble audio, audio, <laughs> the Thought Bubble audio, audio play of Star Wars Christmas Carol. Okay, well, that might actually be out by the time this episode is released, <laughs> so hold your horses. <laughs> Um, or it isn't, and copyright thought bubble audio. <laughs> um, uh, what was I gonna, I was gonna say? Um, anyway, no, not not, not talk about. It. See, The Shining's made in the seventies. Love that movie. Yeah, we're not gonna talk about it though. No, maybe when this maybe when this show is over, when we Jaws go through wasn't the, nominated for best picture. No, definitely wasn't. Um, <laughs> um, when we go th- when we go through, um, when we finish all of these movies yep. we should just do one thing we should just do one, one episode movie. of no 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 just like one episode of each decade being like our five best films of that decade <laughs> that were not nominated and let's talk about them all right yeah that's that's a good thing to to keep in mind yeah i'll keep that in mind from years from now yep um great um well that's those are the films yes so let's say and the oscar goes to the goodbye girl you know, if it wasn't for cultural impact, I'd agree with you. I, I honestly would. Mm. Um, but I'm giving it to Star Wars because of the cultural impact okay. and the lasting existence of that film, which is by like almost sheer definition, it makes it the best makes it the best picture. I I give it to Goodbye Girl because it is the one diamond out of this the, horrible horrible decade. Um. I really enjoyed that film. I would watch that again yeah. in a heartbeat. I think it's I think it's an utterly charming film. Um because I I really like Neil Simon. Yeah. Um so I agree with you, but based on cultural importance Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it is culturally important whether you like it or you don't or whether yeah, you whether I you like Star Wars I or can't not. I can't say that it's a factor. But it can't. It's not my. It can't be my deciding factor. Well, like we're gonna get to say. Like, I just. Like, f- I let's just say find... we get to Gone with the Wind or something like that, and I might not like, or we might not like Gone with the Wind when we get there. Spoiler: but it, I don't. Yeah, but <laughs> but it might be. But it is culturally significant, um, and that doesn't like... necessarily mean because it's Best Picture because Star Wars didn't win Best Picture. I would like to remind you. That the year Gone with the Wind is nominated. Wizard of Oz also came uh, out, right? Wizard of Oz and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Right. 
Right. Both films that are also culturally significant. Arguably, Wizard of Oz is more significant. Yeah. And that's not even... I think it is more significant. Um, um, but... But if... It w- but here's the thing. If all things are being equal, then yes, that cultural significance pushes Star Wars over the edge. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, all things are not equal. In my mind, like, I can take... I can go I can go down the checklist of stuff and say that uh goodbye girl checks off more boxes in Star Wars. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, if you want to hear more of our thoughts on Star Wars, you can over over to patreoncom audio and get the episode there. You are also more than welcome. Uh you are also very much more than welcome to also um Check out all the other Thought Bubble Audio shows that we have at ThoughtBubbleAudio.com. You can head over to iTunes and rate and review us. Um, You can also find us on Satchel Overcast, um, Stitcher, Google Play, all places that podcasts can be found. If you want to reach us, we are at Academy Rewind on Gmail and Twitter. Uh, I think that wraps us up for now. Uh, If you have anything else to say. Uh, no, I don't actually. Well, that's fine because they're playing the music, you know. No, no, I have so many more people to thank. Bad. Bye. Bye. Bye.